Welcome to the latest episode of the Tetracast. This is episode 106 on April 7th, 2018. It is here. PAX East is happening. And we're obviously not there, but there have been a lot, a lot of great announcements out of that. Joining me today, we have Adam Vitali. Hey. And we have James Galizio. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome. What is going on? What's uh, What's up? Apparently, everyone's having tech problems. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, of course, your usual host, Zach Reese, still out of commission uh, with you know technical issues and whatnot, which is fine. I'm holding down the base. Everything looks like it's in sturdy shape, um, and we'll see how, how long that uh, rides out. How about you, Adam? What's yeah. up with you? I'm fine. You know, I had a bunch, a couple of review assignments in uh, March that, you know, were taking up all my time. And now it's like, now I'm free. You can play what I want to play. So... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, we just got uh, done with the fiscal year. So, you know, I, in some respects, news is kind of light. But at the same time, uh, this is when games are going to start slowly coming out again. Not, not Nothing crazy out on the horizon right now, but... Um, we're starting, <laughs> it's starting to get scary in September. I hear, uh, I hear a yeah. lot of people are starting to bust out a lot of, uh, release dates around there. So that's going to be kind of, we'll see. Yeah. Um, it's not, not quite in our wheelhouse, but one of the big announcements last week was the Spider-Man, all that, uh, oh, that's right. media blowout from Game Informer, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a big game in September. That's looking which, you know, great. Yeah. The date for that one actually kind of caught me off guard because I remember for the last couple of months they've been posting on Twitter like team members at Insomniac about how close the game was being finished. And I was like, oh, so it's going to be like early summer. And then it's like, oh, no, September. It's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was always been kind of kind of weird. I felt like it was like going to be later in the year, like around early fall. I, I, that's where I, where I felt like that game was going to land. But no, it's it's looking great. Like all the, like the early hands-on reports from uh, Game Informer on that game looks stunning. I, I have high hopes. I've loved Spider-Man too. I even like the really old-ass Spider-Man game on PS One. I didn't really play too many of the Activision era, like Web of Shadows. I know there was one called like Shattered Dimensions or something. Shattered and... Dimensions, I did play. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a big, I'm not like a huge Spider-Man guy, but I did play a couple of those. And Shattered Dimensions is is a pretty okay game, but it's more like level based, so it's not you know it doesn't really have the uh, yeah it had the, that whole time travel alternate Spider Man right. mechanic right yeah you can play as like regular Spider Man and then like future Spider Man whatever that's called I don't remember and then like noir Spider Man I don't know any of the actual official uh-huh. names for yeah. these but it's more like level based and not like the open world you know Spider Man two swinging around New York City type of deal. It's kind what of, everybody wants. It, it's kind of a weird thing to see that one of the big features they've been touting in this new Spider-Man is, hey, there are unlockable costumes in-game that you don't have to pay real money for. You can earn it in-game. Everyone's like, yeah! I'm like, man, we've really gone a, lot, a long way, have we? But, I remember the original, or not the original Spider-Man game, but the, the, the Spider-Man that was based off the first uh, Raimi movie mm-hmm. called Spider-Man. Like, I remember that game. Uh, it's like PS2 era. Yeah. It had every single like character in the game. You could like wear their costume. 
Uh, so you oh. could be like Mary Jane, it's like swinging around. Oh, that's kind <laughs> uh, of cool. New York yeah, City. Huh. Uh, just like all the, if, if you have the models there, why not just swap that model in for Spider Man and just swing around any goon, any of the villains, just whatever you want. That's amazing. That sounds actually pretty cool. And any Spider Man history with you, James? Um, I've only played Spider Man three on the Wii, and uh, I'm guessing it's not as good as Spider Man two, because Spider Man two is the one that everyone talks about. But I thought it was all right. Did you? Did they have any like weird Wii motion thing to, to swing? Yeah, the web? yeah, you had to like shake the Wii remote to swing the web. But honestly, it wasn't that bad because you had to hold down the button and then swing, so it wasn't like you were getting false positives or anything like that. And okay. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, but then again, I was like 10, 11, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, that's cool seeing uh, Spider-Man. We'll see Shadow the Tomb Raider also in September. Of course, that's what we talked about last Dragon week, Dragon Quest, Quest 11, yeah. which is like a, three days after Spider-Man, I think. Um, three days before. Oh, three days before. And I think there was something else uh, in that month, but it's slipping me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Onto the games that we've been playing. Uh, let's talk about uh, you, James. What have you been up to? Now, I only have two games listed, but... Um, <sighs> I had tech support issues, like I was saying with oh. you guys earlier. And right. uh, my old PC died. Oh, no. So, well, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. Um, I guess I can go over it just really yeah. quick. But uh, last week was... well. Yeah, last week was uh, spring break for my community college. Decided to do a bit of a land party with some friends, and uh, hell yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad the land parties are still a thing. Yeah, it was nice. We played some Divinity Original Sin too. Good, oh, that's cool. Good, um, great game. Um, not that's besides the point. So, computer's working fine. Before I unplug it and like head off to the land party. Okay. I plug it in. Black screen on boot, but only on Windows, not on Linux. And mm-hmm. I kept trying to troubleshoot, like kept uninstalling and reinstalling the drivers, clean installing, DDU, all that sort of stuff. And eventually I decided, okay, let's see how it runs on my friend's computers. Let's see if it's a software or hardware issue because it shouldn't be software because I've nuked this Windows install of the driver, but it keeps happening. So it's just a weird-ass hardware issue. So I have to get a new graphics card because as much as I like using Linux for a daily driver, you can't really play that many games on it. Right. So um, get a GTX 1050 Ti because graphics card prices right now. How, how much did you have to pay for that? $250. Okay, that's, that's not terrible. That's not <laughs> I mean, awful. <laughs> could... um, <laughs> but it gets better. It gets better. Okay. So, I installed the R9290 drivers, put in the GTX 1050 Ti. It's working. I installed the drivers. It reboots to finish installing the drivers. My motherboard won't post. Oh, fuck. So I go around messing around with RAM. It's not the RAM. I, it, it's not the power supply because I just got the power supply literally a few months ago. It's not the graphics card because I took the graphics card out and I'm, I've, already, I've already discounted that. So I have to get a new system because regardless of what it is, it's obvious that it's just not working now. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting a, a pre-built CyberPower PC because, again, graphics card prices, component prices. Yeah, it's it was... weird. Like, you're better off getting a pre-built one of those then. Yeah, so uh put my old power supply in it. 
has a Ryzen 5 1400, less RAM than I'm used to, 8 gigabytes instead of 16 gigabytes, but working fine. Anyways, point being, in the brief period of time where I was debating whether or not to get a new graphics card or just play games on Linux while the other people are playing their own games, I decided to download M2R and start playing through it. And uh, once I got the new computer, I just kind of picked up where I left off. I was able to save most of my data. Cool. Actually, all of it. I transferred what I needed to transfer. The M2R is the... Yeah, it's the... Uh, uh, yeah, Metroid 2 remake. Yeah. Yeah, that everyone was angry about Nintendo DMCAing, and then Samus Returns happened, and it's like, oh... The, the, yeah, that's I, right. after, after all, <laughs> that actually, that's like really matter, because once that was up on the internet, of course, people are going to rehost it wherever, right? So yeah. that, that lives good. on the internet forever. Yeah. Um, probably the hardest Metroid game I've played. Mm. It definitely one for people that have already played the series before are familiar with the mechanics and whatnot. Yeah, not much I can say. It's just a Metroid game. Did you play um, Metroid Samus Returns before it? Oh, no. I actually decided to play AM2R first and then Samus Returns. Oh, I actually okay. have a copy of the line sitting on my uh, desk right now. Yeah, I'm interested to see um, what, what you think about that. Like after you're done at Samus Returns, do like a kind of a postmortem compare contrast kind of thing, because you'll have like yeah. a really fresh memory of both. I, I'm I'm very curious because I I played Samus Returns a bit. I didn't get to finish it last year. I had to uh, you know get back to it. I played a good bit of AM2R and I really enjoyed that, but they were too far apart to, for me to really kind of link them together in any enough. meaningful way. I kind of treat them separately uh, on my end. They're good games, though. Yeah, they are. Um, but yeah, besides AM2R, the other th- games I've been playing this week have been PlayStation VR related. Ooh. Because the Wipeout Omega Collection update released that gave it full VR compatibility. So I've I heard a I'd... lot of things about that. Um, pretty much everyone that's played it, well, a good portion of the people that have played it, has sa- are saying that it's probably the best PSVR game now. And I can definitely understand why it's getting that praise. To, to the, tell me uh, a little bit about it, like, uh, just kind of what, what can you expect when you put on that VR and turn on, like, the VR section of uh, the Omega Collection? Oh, you don't even need to turn it on. It'll automatically detect if you're using the PSVR headset and Ooh. everything just uh, automatically works for VR. So, like, you have the cockpit mode. It has a couple of different comfort settings. So, like, you can get, can put, like, blinders on the cockpit so that you have a smaller field of view or... You can lock the camera to the track. or to That's the smart. The, the little blinders? I, I like that. I turned them off almost immediately. <laughs> no, because like for, for me, like uh, sometimes I do get like tunnel vision. I, I, sometimes I do get freaked out if I, if I, if I, like, if I haven't, don't have like a, a center focal point uh, for an extended period of time, sometimes like my eyes will get kind of spaz out. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, but yeah, it's. Wipeout Omega Collection, which is basically just a uh, PS4 port of Wipeout 2048 with the Wipeout HD DLCs. It's uh, in VR now. It runs really well. I'm pretty sure it's a Sony uh, mandate that any game that comes on VR has to at least hit a 60 FPS cap. Like I imagine. <laughs> literally no frame drops. Mm-hmm. Cool. But um, runs well. Well, again, VR, that's a bit of an oxymoron. Uh, looks really great. Like, do, do, do you feel? Do you feel like um, it kind of the speed of the game slows down to accommodate for VR, or do you feel that the speed it's the, of the same game speed? Just... There's okay. a crossplay between players that are in VR and players that oh, are that's very using cool. the headset. Yeah. Um, 
the only reason why I feel like people are saying, oh, maybe it's a bit slower is because a lot of the initial impressions for the game were people that were just starting up the game or playing on a lower speed class. So you're seeing these videos of people playing the game and it seems slow just because they're not using like a faster car or ship or however you call those things Mm -hmm. and not racing, racing in a faster mode and whatnot. Yeah. The, have you felt like any sort of discomfort or queasiness uh, after an extended amount of time with it? No, I, I've never really gotten that with the PSVR. Like a friend of mine did when he first got it with Farpoint, but it was very briefly. Uh, actually, a sentiment that I've been noticing a lot in the VR community is that there seems to be too much apprehension, like just from developers and consumers about, oh, motion sickness when it's honestly overblown how big the problem is for most people. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you won't really know until you give it a shot on your on your end. Like I, I know that um based on like the the brief time I had the PSVR, I tried like the Resident Evil 7 demo of it at uh, E3 like 2 years ago and I know that that was a bad way to get into because I because after hearing, you know, other people's impressions like oh yeah that was a really really bad showcase of vr like i i felt sick after that for like a good minute or two and they're like no you should probably like give it another shot another demo like and then i i think you'll come around to it so for me like i haven't found like the one the the title that'll get me to get a psvr and two i feel i feel like i need to demo it first with the like a the right kind of game to yeah get. like if there's like a public demo somewhere of polybius i think i might be swayed a little yeah but, I yeah. guess, um, but yeah, PSVR <laughs> played Wipeout, played a little bit of Resident Evil 7. I can understand what you mean by it being a poor showcase of VR for a newbie. Not because it's a bad VR game, it's really good, but honestly, of all the games I've played, it probably has one of the strongest um, feelings of depth, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure that might contribute to the motion sickness a bit. Yeah, it, it also takes time, you know, for uh, obviously, like, Different Good people's like, minds kind of yeah. have to get used to it. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see like where it goes from here because I think VR right now is like, in a weird state where it's still it's still developing, but it's not. There's not an overflowing amount of like momentum for it that people are hoping for, and uh, it's kind of going at its own pace. And I, I know there's like a, there's been price drops on the like you know the uh, Vive is kind kind of coming down. Uh, of course, on the higher end, Vive Pro came out. Uh, with a way better resolution resolution on the screens, um, the the PSVR bundle I think got a like a hundred dollar price drop. Yeah, VR across the board has been dropping in price. Um, PSVR is pretty cheap now. I know that last year Black Friday you could get Oculus Rift. I think the controllers were uh, three hundred bucks, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I know that that three hundred dollar price point, a lot of those headsets are hitting now and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw two hundred and fifty, two hundred for the systems uh once we hit this Black Friday. Yeah. Should be I, interesting. I, I'm kinda I'm interested to see if this um kind of state of VR bleeds over to the next generation of game, like say like PS five, if they'll have like if the PSVR will support that or they'll come out with a new upgraded PSVR that only supports PS five. And I think I think the the big breakthrough I'm waiting for in VR is uh, a viable, reasonable price priced uh, wireless solution for it. Because I think the 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 whole setup of it and how many wires you kind of have to deal with and the sensors and whatnot is kind of a bit off putting, especially when 
when I put on a VR headset and I feel like I'm tethered to a wire at all times. So uh, I feel like, oh God, I can't really like turn my head too crazy or else the the wire, I might get stuck on the wire, you know? Yeah, I can get that. Um, honestly, with the way that the PSVR adoption is, like the people that are going to have PSVR now are going to be super enthusiasts. So I do think that Sony might not be afraid to... Uh, put a PSVR 2 of the PlayStation 5 just because really a lot of the people that are using PSVR now are saying that the controllers aren't really adequate. The way the tracking works for the PSVR is all right for now, but if you're going to keep focusing on VR, you need to have that room scale solution. You need to have the better tracking that the Rift and the Vive have. And so, yeah, I, I think if they did get a new headset for the PS5, a lot of the people that have PSVR now, like some of them will be upset, but I feel like the majority will accept that and actually be happy to buy a new unit. Hmm. Like just speaking for myself, uh, mm-hmm. PSVR isn't perfect, but it's good enough right now that I'm pretty much going to be there day one for the next revision. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what kind of advancements they'll make if they decide to go down this path instead of like kind of ditching it in the wake of like what they tried to do with the 3D TV and the, um, oh, I don't man. think they'll ditch it just because they're the market leader right now. And mm-hmm. I mean, Makes I, sense. hasn't PSVR sold 2 million units and that's I think, yeah, a $400, $300 headset in addition to a $400, insane, $300 system. I mean, you might think, oh, it's only two million, but when you really think about it and think about like how much money somebody has to put down to do that, that's insane adoption for what is just basically a separate four hundred dollar purchase. Yeah, basically the new console right there. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Um, no, not this week. Again, played Divinity last week, but. There's a lot of news this week, so I don't want to focus too much on that. Okay, cool. Adam, what about you? What have you been working on? So, last week I finished up with Nino Kuni 2. Though, I kind of gave my thoughts on that over the last couple of podcasts, so I won't talk about it again, I think. Um, and now that I have some downtime, you know, no, no big releases to play like coming out really soon and no review games to play, I um, wanted to tackle the backlog a bit again. And with Valkyria Chronicles 4 coming out later this year, I wanted to finally get around to playing the third game, uh, Valkyria Chronicles 3 Unrecorded Chronicles, um, which is for PlayStation Portable, and it was never localized, at least not officially. Um, So I am playing a UMD on a PSP 2000, or 3000. So I like original hardware. I'm just playing it in Japanese because I want to. You know, I don't really have a good reason for it. and so Valkyria Chronicles 2, like, everyone will criticize, or most everyone, like, the like the character and the story-like side of things. It's, like, set in an academy and things like that. And it kind of took, like, the like the serious but charming kind of uh, anime World War II style of the original game and really kind of... It, it went in another made, way, different direction. Yeah, and, it, and it's just, like, it, it's... It was pretty. It was. It got re- mixed reaction, to say the least. Um, but I was still actually fairly uh, fond of the game, like its gameplay mechanics, um, because it is Valkyria Chronicles. Now it is a bit different than the original game in that because it's a PSP game, 
your maps are smaller and segmented. And mm-hmm. some people, like when they when they see when they hear the words "this is smaller," they automatically think, "Well, that, that's worse," and that sucks. It's like, well, I there are some things about these kind of segmented, like but connected maps that I really actually kind of like and maybe prefer. Yeah, and so. just uh, to give an example for people, like for for example, like this this battle stage map, uh, the, there's a section of this little uh, portion of the map that leads to a cave, and when you enter that cave, it'll stop bring up another new map screen for that cave section. And then uh, in that cave section, there could be like another little pathway to say, I don't know, like uh, give, give yeah, me something. Huh? Most maps, most maps in the game have at least three components, yeah. three or four. Usually I think there might be a few well, with five. Yeah. There'll be like another cavern section that, and then that'll lead back into that initial section that you have. So, there's so it's, it's, trifecta. it's, it's kind of uh, like it was. It's likely due to a limitation on the PSP. You can't no have too many characters on one screen at one time, so they kind of get around it by because you're limited. You can only have you can have nine people in a in a mission, but only five on a screen. Um, so you ha- you kind of what you what you basically end up doing is you're shuffling characters around these different maps. Uh, and that's kind of like this another element of just you know coordination and strategy to kind of know where should you put, position your units. And I'm playing Valkyria Chronicles three, which is bas- it's also PSP, uh, just like Valkyria Chronicles two, and it's basically set up with the same sorts of maps. And when you how you how you go from one map to another, there's bases you capture just like in the original game. But like you have to capture a base, and what basically you capture a base in map A, and then it'll also take over a base in, in map B that basically becomes yours that you can basically shuttle to. And so in a sense, there are lots of these bases that kind of have two different faces, if you will, like two different entrance points that you have to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I kind of find myself realizing, uh, and I, you know, I played Valkyria Chronicles 2 a long time ago, so I don't really remember it all too well. Um, the specifics, but with these segmented maps, um, one thing that I think is mitigated a bit from the original game, in the original Valkyria Chronicles, you can kind of take your scout units and just bum rush the map and just kind of capture all the bases really quick. Um, And it's a little bit unbalanced that way. But in this game, because of the way bases... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love, Valkyria, I, I love Valkyria Chronicles, the original, but that is kind of just a balanced thing that's like, well... Uh, that's something that nation vast oversight. <laughs> yeah, um, but in this game, because each there are lots of these bases that are basically have two different entrance points. If you can't really just you know get all run around and get all the bases as easily, because usually there's another map somewhere where one of the other where one of the enemies can just waltz right over and take over the base again, um, because they're you know, on a different map. And so you, you, I find, find that they have to be a little bit more careful in terms of actually capturing bases and defending them um, because of the way that the basically bases have two different places you can capture them. And just, it's just like, it's not like a huge difference, but it's just, it's, it's, it's noticeable. It's, it's significant enough that I noticed it. And it's just, I think that's kind of neat. Um, and like I said before, just being having to like coordinate, you have to have only, you're limited how many characters you can have on a map. Having to like, you know, make sure you have uh, lancers available and scouts available on each of the maps. You know, there's just another 
element of strategy that I think is really cool. Now, I'm playing in Japanese, and I don't really understand Japanese. Mainly, the, the, short, the short explanation is I really don't care too much about story stuff. You know, I'm fine without it, and I can, mm-hmm. just, I can, get, I can get the general gist of things just by who, who is where. And, you were you okay know. with Ledger of Legacy, as we established last week, so story, yeah, yeah whatever. Who needs but it? I can you, you can kind of already tell I can kind of tell that it's just it is way more like it's it, uh, generally speaking uh, more serious than yeah. Valkyrie Chronicles. The, basically, too. the set the, basically yeah. the setup for VC three is you have this you're this squad that like kind of like the the spec ops behind the lines kind of mm-hmm. special agents called like the nameless squad. These people have like uh, you know may have criminal records uh, uh, on their on their sheets and whatnot. And then instead of being like sentenced to death, they're being you know they're working for the squad instead and they're yeah. kind of going to like these crazy uh missions basically suicide missions uh yeah, like it, if we it pull it off be, great it... if not well, we'll deal with it so they they're kind of disposable in a sense but unnecessary yeah. disposal if they want to make things easier for you know the good guys i mean obviously the gameplay is really similar but it kind of feels like this is like a guerrilla warfare type mm-hmm. game rather than you know a, like a, a formal you know army squad um you know, like in the original game, um, but mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's um, it seems like it's a pretty meaty game. There are I checked uh, twenty missions or twenty chapters, which that's already more chapters that's than like the original Chronicles. But then there's the thing is there's unlike the original game, there's like three missions per chapter plus like three missions outside of that. So there's quite a few battles to do, um, but. But I know some people say they that this is their favorite game, and I can maybe see why. You know, if they if they like the map and gameplay style, and they like the you know it, it doesn't have all the issues in terms of like the story wackiness that Valkyria Chronicles Two has. Um, oh, I should also mention there are a couple of other small little additions to the to the game. Uh, I should mention two things actually. Mm-hmm. One thing about Valkyria Chronicles Two that was terrible, terrible was class marks and how you <laughs> how you receive them to basically allow your units to change class and upgraded classes basically they were random drops yep so you had to do the free battles kind of over and over again and hope that you get the fencer class mark because fencers are overpowered in that game and you want as many as you can get Look, man it was like the at that at that uh back in the day it was like the era of monster hunter on the psp so it's like obviously portable design and uh japanese market yeah. it's like hey you're on the go you want to keep if you want to keep players engaged that to they have to work towards something no matter how long yeah. it might take i think though here chronicles 2 is 2010 or 9 and something there so not quite before smartphones really took off um but yeah so basically valkyria chronicles 3 gets rid of that completely um i'm playing in japanese so i probably don't have all the nuances here but it seems like your characters just level up in their classes basically as you use them yeah i remember Um, that they kind of scaled back it's like well we we kind of (laughs) this doesn't make sense anymore does it Um, so you use a character more and then eventually, like if you use a scout a bunch, eventually they'll upgrade to, to, to become what I assume is a scout elite and, you know, they get the higher AP bar and so they can move further and mm-hmm. things like that. They can equip the, uh, guns that have the, uh, uh, the equipment's a little different than the original game, but they, they can equip the rifles that have the, the grenade launcher on them and things like that. But also one thing that's a little different is that units have different special skills, um, so, like, and there's, some of them are unique to certain characters. Like, one of the main characters, Imka, I believe her name is, yes. uh, is a lancer. And she has a skill 
uh, where you're limited to only using one, two, or three special skills of a battle, and it, it's, I think it's just determined by from battle to battle. And she has one where she can basically launch like four or five different rockets at once. So if you have like a if there's like a field of enemies, you know, two tanks, a lancer, two snipers, or whatever, and if you if you line her up in a good position and use her special skills, she can launch a rocket at all of them in one turn. Um, so uh, things like that. Is you know it's just a small little addition in terms of just these. You have to know when to use these, you know, when to save these abilities and when to use them, and just a small little wrinkle. You know, it's, that's it, that's pretty neat. Now I think Valkyria Chronicles Four kind of does away with a lot of that stuff and is more based on the style of Valkyria yeah, Chronicles. Yeah, it feels one. a lot more grounded because Valkyria Chronicles Three feels like a rainbow edition of the first Valkyria Chronicles, where everything kind of just flies off the rails really fast. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of like how how they depict power in that game, there's a lot of like oversized weapons and uh, a yeah. great deal of uh, focus on melee for, for some reason in it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it like, seems like VC4 seems a lot more grounded and under control. I mean, Valkyria Chronicles. I haven't played four, obviously, but Valkyria Chronicles one and four almost have like a just a different style. And I don't mean just like, you know, tone of the game, like story, but just like the actual gameplay style is pretty different than two and three. Cause like, I don't think Valkyrie Chronicles four has any melee units, you know, no fencers or armor techs, you know, which are in both two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to like leveling by class rather than by unit. Uh, um, and it doesn't have the, I am sure Valkyrie Chronicles four has like missions and like skirmish battles, but it doesn't have, you know, the, the segmented the, the, map. Yeah, the segmented maps and the and the uh, it has a little bit different. Uh, it doesn't. I don't know if Valkyria Chronicles Four has like the the unit unique special skills. Uh, I think I think that the, the the traits. Like, I mean, there like there are the potentials. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah. the actual like active skills. That. Yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's, it basically feels like you know they're they're almost like the games are pretty differently styled. Hey, uh, in, in terms of an actual like mechanical front too look everyone's um, but, been saying that hey we just want valkyrie uh, uh, like a uh, valkyrie chronicles yeah. just like what it's like hey here you go it's literally looks like valkyrie chronicles one it plays probably like yeah. valkyrie chronicles one it's valkyrie chronicles one just different thing, just different story elements there you go stop complaining I, I remember watching now obviously it's been prettied up a bit but some of the animations in valkyria chronicles 4 like look like they're they're just the same animations from the the original game like i remember watching some footage where you know a character falls in battle you know another character runs over their you know their injured body to you know get the medic and they do like the exact same you know get down on one knee and then wave the medic over then the medic starts running in with like the same exact like camera angle only it's a little different because there's also the dog okay so here's here's how the development of valkyria chronicles 4 like came about okay it was just after like Finally done developing Valkyrie Revolutions. Like and some random interns, like, hey, I finally found the, like the source code of the first Valkyrie Chronicles. Do we toss it, or are we gonna do something with it? Yeah. And there you go, Valkyrie Chronicles Four. I don't want to sell it too short because <laughs> some of the, like some of the uh, visuals and animation stuff do look significantly improved. But you, <laughs> it, it looks like it is kind of the same exact framework, though, which you know isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, Anyways, I didn't realize that Valkyria Chronicles 3 came out in 2011, so it's already like six, seven years old at this point. It was yeah. a fairly, it was a fairly late addition to the PSP game before, just on the cusp of the Vita release. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because Vita came out what 2012, I want to say. 2011 in Japan at the tail yeah. end of it, and okay. 2012 in uh, the West. There you go. So, <laughs> to, after I finished... off the, the the PSP. Yeah, and after I finish this, I guess. 
I'll have to try Valkyria Revolution, you know, <laughs> just to just to experience it. Well, good luck, my friend. That's, yeah, I, I don't want to sour your experience. <laughs> you know, I you just got to go into it, no expectations, and Let's no see hope. See what happens. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I've been playing. Cool. Uh, for me, no, nothing, nothing new. I never, I didn't uh, get any new progress in Ninokuni Two because there's a new event in Fate Grand Order that only lasts for a week and has a lot of really good items to farm. So I've been kind of like working at that uh, bad times. Um, I, I got a neat new thing in the mail. Uh, it's the Xeno Gears uh, original soundtrack revival disc, the first and the last. It's kind of like a video original soundtrack. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like a Blu-ray soundtrack. So you just, but it's basically you pop it into a Blu-ray player and as like the, these uh, re- awesome remastered uh, Xenogears tracks are playing, um, they uh, play like a video file of uh, clips of the game where the track was relevant. So it looks really, it really looks really nice and pretty. Um, obviously, the the vocal theme that was in English, uh, accompanying with all the anime clips, or whether it's like a, the, a battle theme that's out in the desert, or like a mech battle, it's like all composed around that uh, style. Um, so it, it it sounds really really great. Like uh, I I popped it uh, into my PS4 and that the fucking sound is blasting on that. Really nice, very crisp. And and the neat thing about this is if you like those what you heard, it's not just bound to that Blu-ray uh, soundtrack. They ha- actually have a, a a menu item called uh, MP3 Download, which is download obviously, but I guess they did a type one download. Um, where you can just like get all those tracks plus like the five special tracks that they made for this, and just have it uh, all downloaded into your uh, PS4, which I imagine you can export out uh, and whatnot. And so that that's been a, a really cool thing to mess around with. And you know, just it's weird like Zeno Gears. It's been a long time. I really miss Zeno Gears. The more I kind of scroll through that track list and seeing clips of the game again, it's like man, this that like. These the animation of those pixels still holds up. It's still very smooth and oh, just just spicing it up a little bit. Just don't don't even do like the, uh, some weird Chrono Trigger shit to it. Just just keep it as <laughs> is, but make it more crisp. And that's all you need. You perfect remaster right there. And I know people are like, no, fix this too. But like, oh man, this, this there's something really really crazy about the way that you presented a game that was more cutscene driven. Than gameplay driven back in the day, where you just had like you can see that the game was like so fucking incomplete by the, by the time you got to this too, but but it it made it more cinematic and memorable in a way that uh, a lot of PS1 RPGs didn't, and that's kind of a weird, imperfect, perfect thing about Zeno Gears. But other than that, I haven't really messed around with too much. Uh, I think the the weird revelation that I found out was, um, uh, I was talking with you, uh, Adam, last week. How I downloaded this uh, the Danmachi is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon mobile game kind of deal? Um, yeah. So apparently it came to the uh, it's going through a, through a weird Fire Emblem Fates uh, situation where people found out. Well, it, the it's censored in the West where they don't have like there's apparently this some uh, face touching or you touch the character mini game inside that game that was like stealthily censored out and it didn't it, it took people like a few days to like notice that and then this after like you know um several questions to crunchy uh, or not the the 
the Twitter account for the English version of this game, was asked, uh, hey, are you censoring this in any way? They're like, no. And then people found out that this feature isn't in the game. And then they had like a really, really bad like PR statement about it saying, well, no, it's it's uh, not censored. Um, we, we just uh, think it wasn't like appropriate for this audience, which is that's not really a be- the best way to kind of address about the censorship. Reminds the me censoring. of how uh, Black Desert Online handled their censorship, where they said like early on, "Oh, we're going to not change anything," and then they change things. <laughs> yeah, and and then the, at some point at the, at the during the Reddit thread of that, um, the the PR when asked like, "Look, it's basically censoring like." And then uh, the P, like the PR account for that just basically said, well, you can always just you know play the Japanese version, which is if you have to say that at some point, you you completely failed at what you're trying to get across to these people. It was it reminded me of when uh, Keeley was uh, uh, interviewing Matrick about the Xbox One, and there was yeah, this question for people that don't have an internet connection. It's exactly yeah. There, there's a question about you know uh, one of the players like you know lives in a submarine. Obviously, you can't really get a, get a great on, always online environment inside a submarine so this is during back in the days when you know the xbox one was still touted to be have to has to always be online to to work and then matrix response was like yeah we have another product that works totally fine without that it's called the xbox 360 like no you fucked up this messaging so hard um i remember that original video and just between what he actually said and that smug look on his face when he said it (laughs) was like oh my god no you could just you could feel all of the Xbox uh, PR team just face palming when he said that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and then so that's kind of the reason why I'm probably gonna fall off. I don't really mind. Okay, that the the, the act of itself of like, hey, there's no like the the mini game portion is gone from this. I just wish they were a bit more transparent. Whether it's mm-hmm. like like before release, yeah. it's just saying, re- "Hey, let like letting us uh, like let your audience know because you're already releasing a niche game for a niche audience, and you know a, a good chunk of this niche audience really values that kind of feature in the game. So why would you even be dishonest with them to at that point about it? And mm-hmm. it's just it reminds me of how Nice America got their act together with Criminal Girls, where uh, before Criminal Girls two came out in the West, they actually like. Uh, put up a detailed blog post about, hey, these are the things that are censored. This is why we censored them. We're just letting you know in advance. And like that, okay, like censorship sucks, but I'm, I'm kind of cool with them yeah. being transparent about it, being honest and upfront, saying, you know, we're not going to try to keep this like a last minute secret. This... I feel like it's worth mentioning for uh, NAS America as well that for the PC version of Criminal Girls, the first one, a lot of people ask, well, why can't you not have it censored on PC? And Apparently, there was some sort of NIS uh, policy that they had to have it rated even on PC, which meant that they would have gotten an adults-only rating. But what NIS America ended up doing is they actually have the uh, project that uncensors the PC version of the game, like, stickied in the game's community. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that, that's kind of what a lot of, like, uh, like you know, erotic visual novels do, do on PC. Like, hey, we can't, we can't technically sell this with the nude content in the game or the nude scenes. But here we'll like sticky like a post or like put it like the the updates feature on the front page of our store, saying Literally hey, this really get... everything they can besides put it in the game for, to begin with. Which yeah, 
I'm, 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 yeah, I'm sure there's like uh, I don't know if I don't know if Steam actively like polices that these days because it feels like they they don't with, with how you know recent releases of that field is, but you know there's definitely at least easy workarounds for people who want it, and it's like if that's what it takes for it to actually like release on this popular storefront, then fine because you're technically not like gating that feature for uh, for people who want it. You know if that's if that's a loophole that you have to find for it to. Make yeah. that portion of your audience like satisfied. Like yeah. I'm all for it. Like, hey, just just yeah, be I, honest with your with your customers for God's sakes. You know. Yeah, that's the thing that gets me. It's just I feel like obviously not everyone would be okay with censorship in games if it was more straightforward and they were told about what was going to be changed going um, from the get go. But I definitely feel like a lot more people would be understanding or at least accept it if there was reasons given and you were told like in advance yeah like i remember like one of the reasons why people got up in arms like and this was early on before really had that uproar of people really pushing against censorship in the gaming community but i remember that there was apparently um oh yeah um tokyo mirage sessions like originally they said oh it's going to be braided m and so people thought oh it won't be censored and then it did end up getting censored and people got upset because it's like, wait a second, now it's teen. Did they censor it so it can be teen rated even though they said that they were going to have it be targeting an M rating before and that pissed some people off. And then Xenoblade Chronicles X, um, when they originally had this like uh, Q&A, I think it was like a PAX or something, they said, oh, we're not going to be changing anything. And then they changed costumes and they changed... Yeah. I feel like a lot more people would be understanding of the situations if they, again, more upfront. See, it seems like uh, more and more though that the the there's like not really that weird era of censorship that that was like in that weird Nintendo period of like Fatal Frame, as you said, uh, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Yes, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Xenoblade X. Um, I, I know there was like one more that I can't uh, think Fire of. Fire That was honestly the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, Fire Emblem Fates. That's right. Um, yeah, at, at least it seems like they're kind of straying away from that. So I wonder if they ever port over uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions and Xenoblade X to the Switch. Like, will they keep those censorships in place, or will they actually like say just do away with it? Because it feels it feels like Nintendo just doesn't really it isn't really that like policing over that as much anymore, especially think, with the, the kind of Switch uh, games yeah. we're getting. I think part of it is that for the majority of Nintendo's releases, they come out day and date worldwide which means that they're probably targeting the same content each game just because it's easier to hit that worldwide date mm-hmm. and not have to worry about changing some things for this version, some things for this version, so on. Yeah, because if, yeah. if, you, if you think about it, like it's completely reasonable to think that if Xenoblade 2 wasn't a worldwide release, if they took like a year and a half to like localize it, that there might have been a potential for maybe some censored content in that game. And like if... You know, like you've seen, like some of the, like the rare blade designs in Xenoblade Two. Some of them are very risque, you know, and whatnot. And I wonder—not well, even just the rare blade designs. I know. I mean, just look at uh, Pyra's. That's yeah, true. Bond. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but I, and also, yeah. So I wonder if like just simultaneous worldwide uh, really does help alleviate any of that. So you kind you kind of kill two birds with one stone. You don't have to worry about the censorship crowd. You don't have to worry about hey, we have to. Uh, do another uh, pass of like programming and making sure nothing breaks with like the the sense like the new things that we've added to place to kind of cover up some stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, 
that, but that's about it on my end. Uh, that was a interesting observation. Um, moving on to the news, like you said earlier, PAX East is going on, and one of the most significant things that has come out uh, already out of PAX East is that Final Fantasy Fifteen apparently not 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 privy to like you know ending its <laughs> wave of new content. It is going to have four new episodes uh, starting from winter of this year to spring of next year to spring of 2019 and you have uh episode arden episode aranea episode luna freya and episode noctis i don't know why noctis needs an episode but <laughs> adam tell me more about why is final fantasy 15 not dead yet i <laughs> that's a loaded question man um <laughs> so this is following the news that hajime tabata has a new studio um, that has that is staffed helmed by him and staffed by Final Fantasy 15 you know veterans you know people who are working on it so I don't know if this is being made by that studio or is this like the leftovers of the Final Fantasy 15 development team I don't really know but it's worth mentioning that these single player DLC episodes they like start like l- winter 2018 and I, the way that PR marketing works is winter 2018 could be like early next year, you know, it's weird. Um, but anyways, like these are almost like, these are nine months to a year out for the single player things just to get started and they won't finish until, I don't know, mid, mid 2019. Um, so instead a lot of 2018 is going to be uh, uh, multiplayer stuff with the comrades uh, part of oh, Final Fantasy team. Things? It's like yeah. the I don't even, I've never even played the comrades, but it's it's like the multiplayer version part component of. Final yeah, Fantasy I, yeah, I think I think there's like a like a, there's a significant thing that happens like you know at like the the second half of FF15 when you became like an yeah. adult Noctis right before like during that time period. Here's kind of what happens uh, in there. That's where the comrades thing is yeah. set like set in to kind of fill in the blanks. It's it's just so awkward. This whole game is yeah. so awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, there's also in 2018 for the for the PC version, they're going to be doing mod support. There's going to be a level editor. You can like literally like create regions and locations. And the example they showed at PAX East was a golf course. Uh, I guess every day is Final um, Fantasy golf. And there's going to be a character creator. There already is a character creator in Comrades, and that was released last year. But now there's going to be a character creator for the single player game but only in the windows version i i'm pretty sure uh and it'll basically allow you to change noctis to whatever you want (laughs) it's yeah you can now create a different look for noctis um i don't know how robust that character creator is going to be i wonder if that transitions over to the cutscenes too yeah make them you can make them make them girl noctis make them Mm -hmm. old noctis i don't know what you what you can do (laughs) with her noctis (laughs) grandpa noctis yeah (laughs) And so, uh, and I, I think I said this, there's going to be mod tools as well. And those are all supposed to release like soon, I guess, for the PC version. Um, so yeah, Final Fantasy 15, if you got the Royal Edition thinking it's going to be like a feature complete game of the year edition, well, <laughs> it's not. Okay, okay so what's the, what's the name of the Final Fantasy 15 complete, complete edition with all these bundled in? Instead of Royal, what's it going to be called this time? The Kingly Edition for PlayStation 5. And PC. God. 
I've been <laughs> waiting to play Final Fantasy 15 until it got all the DLC and was fully updated. And I'm Guess just what? like, <laughs> I'm waiting until 2019, the middle of 2019, uh, the, the, the end of 2016. Why? There's no guarantee that there's the final wave. Oh, God. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, Who knows? apparently, Final Fantasy XV has been like commercially successful in terms of sales and revenue from the DLC and whatnot. So, I don't know if Square Enix is like, you know, just kind of basking in like that and like, look, oh, look, people, look, man, people are, are spending money on this, so let's just keep adding stuff to it. They're just like, you know, how many fucking years you spent making these assets? Do you know? Get <laughs> as much as we can out of them. Uh, so I I actually did. I was bored a couple of days ago, uh, and I actually did get the Royal Edition and play uh, the update. I decided I'm not going to probably get the whole game again on PC. I just I don't really want to go through the whole thing again. So I'm just like, I'll just What's get the that 100 on gigabyte download. Yeah, I was like, I'll just get the rest on PS4. You know, maybe you know just to see it. And so I actually got like the Royal update and fought the new super boss, uh, which is Omega, not mm-hmm. Omega Weapon, but the more classic robot Omega. Okay. Um from Final Fantasy and I was like it was like this is actually kind of fun you know for like the, the original game really didn't have like a super boss that's besides, high like, praise the right Man there voice. this is actually kind of fun yeah I mean I I don't like adore Final Fantasy 15 or anything but there's parts of it that I kind of like but it is a really kind of messy patchwork <laughs> awkward <laughs> game it is like a Frankenstein <laughs> monster at this point and it's, it's, it's so funny like when I played it at release even then, it was already a different version than like what our reviewer Alex had played. Oh yeah, they had already changed it. Like between like his pre-release copy and the release copy, at that point, they what they did is they just uh, they took in some cutscenes from Kingsglaive, the movie, uh, and they kind of like patched in these small little cutscenes into Final Fantasy Fifteen. And the, and the stories and the story makes even less sense with them. It's it's and like it's it's so awkward. Like why am I seeing this now? And like what is this supposed to be conveying here? And it just, and even like the, even like the character DLCs, you know, this has been t- t- discussed on plenty of times already, but you know, there's like the obvious points in the game where it's like, Oh, Gladio left the party for a bit. And Oh, he rejoined the party for a bit. It'd be nice to know what he was doing during that period <laughs> of time. Uh, and it just, it's just like, it feels so. I guess like, there's a, there's a good time to mention. I think there was some word going around, and I guess uh, from the FF panel when these were, uh, new episodes were announced, all these episodes are going to be directed by the same guy who directed episode Ignis. And I hear very high praise for episode Ignis. So a lot of people got excited when they heard uh, word of that. So hopefully that, that you know really has a substantial add-on to the story of these. And also they announced uh, some sort of collaboration with Shadow the Tomb Raider, uh, with FF15, which of, of course the, they would. I mean, that makes more sense because yeah. you know, uh, makes more Raider, sense in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tomb Raider is under Square Enix via IDOS, so yeah, it makes more sense than uh, with the with their whole deal with Ubisoft. But yeah, I mean, I mean I'm just saying if you if you were waiting to play FF15 like James here, um, well. Hmm. Play something else right now. <laughs> Either that, or just accept your fate that you're never gonna get. Um, you're never gonna play the full edition of FF15. You're never just—it's impossible. Just accept your fate and play what you have right now, or play later at the at the potential of getting new more new stuff announced for it. I'm not even sure how I feel about it now because you have Adam here saying, "Oh, it feels Patrick," and you're saying it's a Frankenstein's monster. It's like no, it. 
I think even Brian, Brian reviewed the Windows edition. He and this was the first edition he played, and he was even saying like, you know, he had basically two major comments. One of them was that it just kind of feels, you know, it's he he can just kind of tell like he doesn't know what's new and what's old, and he can tell like this kind of kind of feels like it's been patched together, um, in terms of you know this thing was added. Like for example, chapter thirteen was one that was uh, really heavily criticized in the original release. And so, like, Square Enix tackled that by having, like, two different alternate routes of, of Chapter 13. Like, there's verse 1 and verse 2. And it's just, like, he gets to that point, and he's like, what the heck is this? <laughs> like, like what, do I have to play it twice or something? And, like, if I, he played, like, the verse 2 route, and then apparently that left him a little bit confused because that doesn't actually go through all the story details that the verse 1 route does. And it's just, like, why is this even here? It's just... So even and to be he fair, the, like, the, if the confused. first one route is the original route, I still barely understood yes. what the fuck happened there too. So he's not really missing yeah. much. I'm equally <laughs> as confused over here. I still don't know what the what the the new chapter thirteen looked like. I still have the the weird kind of uh, segmented Resident Evil wannabe in my head uh, when it yeah. comes to chapter thirteen. I don't know what the new one looks like at all. Oh. All I know is it's uh it's, it has the other characters instead of Noctis. That like I don't know how it plays or what any, or how it's different in terms of like cutscenes or I don't know. It just yeah. so yeah, it's it's almost the game is almost how do I put this? It's almost like interesting how patchwork it is because like <laughs> like no other game is like this. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of, especially, I mean, like single player. I mean, like, hey, the, the closest you get you get is like an MMO, right? Right. So, so man. So yeah, it's at least more than like maybe 15 months from now we'll have all these DLCs added maybe. I'm trying to imagine like how much more uh do you have to download for the PC version of this game because it's getting all like all the new stuff as well. Like yeah. and I'll have a deliver like I wonder how what what the space on that looks like like fuck man. Like, what is that if you were to download every single piece of content for Final Fantasy 15 all the it's DLC, all the creators. <laughs> buy a whole hard drive. Yeah, good, good thing I just purchased this the new internal 4 ter- terabyte hard drive just for FF15. <laughs> God, I saw a joke somebody posted on Twitter. I forget who exactly posted it, but the year is 2022. Final Fantasy 15 isn't quite done yet, but it already fills the entire hard drive of a, an original PlayStation 4. Yeah, I totally believe that, actually. <laughs> My PS4 is, is like, I don't have, like, that many PS4 games, but Final Fantasy XV is, like, easily the biggest on there. Like, it, like it's stupid. No, that thing is, has been long gone for my PS4. I, I got done with it. I don't think yeah. it's, it's launch version. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. I'll maybe, I'll maybe, I need, I need maybe, the room. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll, like, revisit this, like, if it gets released on PC, and then the PC version comes out. I'm like, I, I'm looking at the file sizes. I'm looking at all this new kind. I'm like, oh... Huh, well, I guess I'm not yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do want to replay with all these advances because I have a very... The, the version of FF15 that I played is the one that came out on release. So if I go yeah. back into it, I just want to be blown away at like, what the fuck am I playing? That's what I want. Brian actually uh, pointed out a few things that are like, holy shit, you could do that now? Uh, he, uh, he, so these are things that they actually fixed that are actually like, I think, no doubt improvements. Like you can take... Uh, ten hunts on at once in the original. In the original game, you could only do one. One, yeah. It was, it was just so you you had to like accept a hunt, 
And even if you like walked by a bunch of other different uh, those diners where you get them from, you couldn't accept any of them unless you just wanted to discard the one you had. So you kind of had to hold on to it until you finished it. And it was just kind of tedious. And now you can actually just accept a bunch at once and, you know, just so much easier that way. And also, uh, um, you can pass time, like, in a menu or at camp. Uh, like, you can actually wait until night rather than just literally oh, yeah. waiting mm-hmm. until night. <laughs> It's like, it's like a lot of like sensible quality of life improvements. Like, oh yeah, yeah that actually does make sense, doesn't it? Weird. Like, why was it in this in the original? But, but yeah, it's. That's. that's I, I kind of. I'm interested to see if they finally come out with a final. They swear to God, it's a final Final Fantasy 15 thing that they're gonna release. If anyone's gonna like review it under like Final Fantasy 15, the complete final review, <laughs> or something. Fuck, man. Because yeah, the the because the reviews of the original FF fifteen outdated at this point because it's it's not gonna be the version that like anyone plays. It's like it's a neat thing to look back on, but <sighs> games as a service, huh? Mm-hmm. Speaking of games as a service, um, Hitman Definitive Edition coming out to PS4 and Xbox One on May eighteenth, published by Warner Brothers. And... Seems to be a uh, similar situation to what. Uh... CD Projekt Red did with The Witcher 3 because the PC um, physical version of uh, Witcher 3 was actually distributed by Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, the, the, that's a good reminder on that. I totally forgot. Um, this will have uh, outfits inspired by Freedom Fighters, Mini Ninjas, and Kane and Lynch, all our favorite games, um, along with, you know, the Hitman Season 1, the complete, uh, all of that, the Hitman Game of the Year edition that had the Patient Zero campaign, the Escalation Contracts along with it, along with the visual upgrades and whatnot, and the Blood Money Requiem pack, which had the suit, the duck explosive, and the pistol. Um, so it's kind of like a, a nice, neat, like packaged-up version of Hitman once more, uh, the, along with some new stuff. And for anyone who wants to get in, it's a fantastic game. Uh, definitely uh, get on that. Uh, it's just more of, you know, bringing another re- uh, re-release back out there, and I'm sure, you know, the people at IO Interactive uh, are working on whatever the next Hitman is, whether that be season two or an entirely new thing. Um, and then also another cool thing uh, that's happening here is Ubisoft's adding uh, this weird animus control panel uh, to the PC version of Assassin's Creed Origins. And uh, this is basically like adding the features of what you would see the uh, cheat engine uh, into the Uplay overlay so you can modify things such as like the NPCs like movement speed or your movement speed or how do you want to like how many like stored weapons do you do you, do you want out or I, I think I, I remember I'm trying to remember like the menu for it it's it's kind of bonkers what you can do uh with this um are you guys uh like interested at all at like giving oh. Assassin's Creed Origins a shot with like kind of like a rigged up cheated version of it I've been interested in it and uh it's been dropping in price pretty frequently recently um, I, uh, Razer's game store just launched and they have it for like 33 bucks. And I, since I bought Nino Kuni 2, wish I got with the 50% off, uh, messed up code, but I didn't. Um, anyways, I got a 15%, well, $15 voucher off my next purchase. So I'm kind of tempted to try it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm searching. Over I mean, it, go on. it kind of feels like the, uh, you know, the old day, you know, where you could just games had cheat codes and you could just cheat, yeah. you know, and there was no, penalty or anything like that you just cheat if you want to cheat i mean it looks like it's way more it's a little bit more uh involved in that like actually changing like like 
Oh yeah, there's there's like there's like that, there's like imagine yeah. like all the intricacies of like uh, like a, a difficulty mode. Like say instead of choosing easy, normal, or hard, you you're like um, tweaking every aspect of what higher difficulty may be. Like during when you're fighting NPCs in battle, you can change like their attack speed, their hurt box, the amount of melee and range damage they do to you. Like like separately, melee damage and range damage, how many health points they have, and then like just uh, like NPCs that are just like kind of uh, like moving around and then you're trying to do stealth, like how do you want their detection distance to be uh, along with that? It's it's kind of nuts how much uh, they're put, putting into this and I, I, I kind of want to pick up Assassin's Creed Origins now just to kind of mess around with these settings. Uh, it will, obviously won't be like the an ideal way to like kind of play the game, but I really like tweaking those kinds of systems, kind of see how what what makes it break. And the neat thing about this is, if you don't want to like deal with that, you kind of, you know, you want something more challenging, but you don't want to tweak every single thing. I think they're allowing uh, users to um, save like their their settings on there and like share it around, or they'll have some sort of like system to like say, hey, the the most top rated like Animus control panel settings here for like a a punishing difficulty. You can just like choose it, and then it'll have it. It's like a preset for all those settings. And it's like, hey, you're, you're playing it the ideal way that the, the community has agreed upon. So that kind of, that kind of, that sounds really fucking neat, just on its uh, on paper. Uh, I'm interested to see how it pans out. I, I want to check that out. Um, and Assassin's Creed is one of those games. Like I played the original mm-hmm. two and the, and the Assassin's Creed two trio. Um, uh, and tough. I like I really I really liked Assassin's Creed Brotherhood especially. Oh yeah. Um, now I should I should mention that RPG site our site has covered Origins because basically they decided to make it more of an RPG in terms of stats and levels and things. So we decided you know let's cover it. Um, the original game obviously more action adventure, but like those games I'm the type of person who I like to kind of exhaust the world maps and things, and so they they can get pretty lengthy oh, and yeah. take a while. And after kind of completing Assassin's Creed Revelations, you know, which is, you know, it wasn't as, uh, I didn't like hate the game, but it was definitely a step down from Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm satisfied with Assassin's Creed. I don't know if I really want to play anymore. And at that point, they were like churning out Assassin's Creed like one per year. And, you know, and I know that's like five games ago by now. I'm just like, yeah, maybe I'm done. So I don't know if I'll ever get around to trying out some of the newer games. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, but I, I There's do. There's so I, many games to play. I, 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 th- I think if I'm gonna give one a shot, I think it'll be Origins at this point. I yeah, guess, uh, I'm thinking of like I kind of ducked out at the, the middle of Brotherhood. I didn't, I didn't hate Brotherhood. Just I was kind of exhausted in those kind of games. Uh, no, I, I, I definitely feel that. You know, yeah. there, <laughs> there's a lot to do, and, mm-hmm. you can and especially, even, especially, even, especially, even game, a lot of games these days are just like, hey, we're all open world now. It's like, oh man, right? Like, yeah, like, I, I need some variety, but you know, but I think. I think Origins has enough new in there. If if not anything else, there, there's not a lot of open world games set in Egypt for that. You know, yeah, kind of, kind of just figuring up things a bit uh, with that. Um, let's see. Oh, there's a, a neat one, uh, an absurd one at that. Um, Monolith Productions is removing uh, the mitro transactions from Middle Earth Shadows of War or Shadow of War rather, along with updating and improving the Shadow Wars portion of that game so to kind of uh walk it back a bit um in shadow of war they had a a loot crate system where you could purchase the currency you can earn the currency in game but you can also purchase it with real money and when you rolled uh in game for for these crates 
They could have like you know legendary equipment uh, for your dude. Um, you can also roll for your orc army. So you had like rarities mm-hmm. of orcs, like you know this uh, epic orc or legendary orc, you know. And this is all tied into its nemesis system, where you kind of have to like uh, build build an army uh, and whatnot. Especially at the Shadow Wars portion of the game, you have to fend off enemy waves. So having like like more tougher orcs to defend your fortresses was to your benefit and people really felt the grind in that like a lot of people and i know like this might be related i haven't played the game uh-huh. i haven't played the first game it. either but i know people criticized shadow of war especially like i don't know if it's the post game or like just the last chapter of the game that's where it really felt like you almost were required to like make these microtransactions or else you're basically playing with a handicap um, it was to get to the, of... to get to the ending uh, essentially. Like this was like final, oh, the final yeah. thing you needed to get to the to the ending. That was the Shadow Wars portion, and people were like, "Oh, that, that's oh. the Shadow Wars portion." Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that's the part that people were like, you know, if if you wanted just wanted to play the game just with what the game gives you, you know, without having to spend anything, you, you it, it just became it becomes a real grind, uh, almost yeah. as though the game is basically just uh, making things hard for you. So you you know, so you basically buy the key to unlock the easier stuff, and it's just. Um, sounds like they. It's been several months since release. Now they're just getting ready, getting rid of yeah. all of that. That, as far as I understand, this was done in the market system, and literally the whole market will eventually be gone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so l- l- let me tell you what Model the Production yeah. said. So they said, while purchasing orcs in the market is more immediate and provides additional player options, we have come to realize that providing this choice risks undermining the heart of our game, the Nemesis system. It allows you to miss out on the awesome player stories you would have otherwise created, and it compromises those same stories even if you don't buy anything. Then they continue. In order to fully restore the core promise of the Nemesis system, you'll be, will be permanently removing gold, war chests, and the market from Shadow of War. This means the option to purchase gold with real-world world money and the ability to gain orc followers from war chests will be removed. This will be a specific amount of time for players to utilize their unused gold. If players have unused gold by the end of time allotted to spend it, any remaining gold will be converted to in-game items. So the time frame they gave us was the ability to purchase gold will be permanently cease on May 8th this year. The permanent uh, removal of gold war chests and the market will take place on July 17th. So people will have up until July 16th to make use of any gold they have. If they don't use that gold, it'll be converted to items. So yeah, it's kind of whole- like... <laughs> There's like the biggest like no fucking shit a statement. Uh, yeah, <laughs> ever. I, I just remember, and I kind of follow Jim Sterling on YouTube, and mm-hmm. he's uh, obviously very volatile. But one, there's this one specific clip he's been using ever since Shadow of War was kind of had the whole microtransaction thing like shown off, and I still don't know who the hell thought it was a good idea for. In the market, when you're buying like these chests to get orcs and whatnot, it has this animation of an orc or I don't know what, like some sort of monster that's supposed to look like a merchant <laughs> rubbing his hands while it's unlocking. Yep. And I'm just thinking, oh my god, why did they not get more shit for that? <laughs> it's, it, it was very scummy and they, they were... Ugh, it felt bad but it's one of those things like you didn't really like pay attention to at all and then up until like the shadow wars portion it was like oh oh fuck you know so either grind it out or you yeah full disclosure 
I got uh, I didn't pay for my copy. <laughs> uh, I believe uh, we got more than one code or something, mm-hmm. and that's how I got mine. But uh, yeah, just the whole thing. <sighs> it did, it I, felt I, bad. Like it's just it's already in a game that was like already flooded by systems on top of systems on top of systems. It's like another topping on the pizza. It's just like it's it's one topping too many. Um, it's yeah, and it's one of those things that like. I, you can see why they did this. Obviously, uh, it, it feels like they saw what the fuck was happening with, uh, with Battlefront 2. And they're like, oh, fuck. If the governments are getting involved and they're like, kind of, that's, this thing is already getting exposed to the mainstream, we gotta shut it all fucking down. If things go south, we, we got, if they, if they come uh, knocking our doors and saying, hey, do you know anything about these fucking loot boxes? We can say, nope. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's just... Mm, mm. Well, I mean... At least for people who want to go back to the sh- uh, into Shadow of War who've never played it, when it's going to be discounted this year, like in holiday season, at least it'll be free of all that shit. Um, here's what Monolith Productions had to say about the Shadow War section on it. They said that the Shadow War section of the campaign where players defend their fortresses against Sauron's repeated counterattacks, this portion of the game will be improved with new narrative elements and streamlined for a more cohesive experience. For players who choose to continue with these ongoing defense missions, the Endless Siege update released last November will still be available. We'll also be incorporating many other gameplay improvements will be detailed in the future build notes, including Nemesis system updates, new player skins, skill tree additions, gear system upgrades, and progression updates, just to name a few. And so it's just there, there's gonna be ongoing support for Shadow of War for whatever that's worth. Uh, I, I but hey, if you're if you're on the fence about this game, I'd say wait even more until you till all those updates roll out, and I'm sure you'll have like a vastly more infinitely enjoyable time than like you know early adopters and whatnot had a few months ago. Um, weird. I, I I'm interested to see you know. Where where this stands with other uh, Warner Brothers products like Injustice Two, like what what are they going to do with that? I wonder if they're going to like eventually take out like the microtransaction element of that. I remember back in they were kind of experimenting this a few years ago. I think when the Mortal Kombat, the most recent Mortal Kombat, they had like fatality tokens where you can spend them to like do easy fatalities, and that was kind of like them dipping their toes into the potential of microtransactions in their games. Uh, so, I had forgotten about that, but now that you say it, it kind of rings a bell. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what came of that. <laughs> so I wonder. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately... It, microtransactions definitely seem like a volatile thing right now. Like, Oh, yeah. You know, basically, games are expensive to make. Yes. You know, they games have been $60 for a long time now. Like... In and fact, it, it's weird that they're still sixty dollars. Uh, yeah, generation. Change. They're just so you know nobody wants to be the first one to say we're going to sell this game at seventy dollars. You know, yeah. nobody wants to do that, even no. though sixty dollars now is not as much as it was ten years ago uh, when games were still sixty dollars. For you know, most part. And remember, like um, uh, like even then, like say like N sixty four cartridges, those were go like seventy, eighty dollars yeah, depending so, on the game. Yeah, some of those were. Yeah. Um. So like obviously. Publishers and developers need to recoup costs somehow, and you know, I, obviously, there's DLC expansion passes. Everyone's trying something, and you know, it's just kind of there's no set, you know, way that people have decided like this is going to be the best way to do it because 
you know, obviously the obvious argument is, is you want people to buy something, but you don't want to have to, you don't want microtransactions that force them to have to buy something, you know, yeah, yeah, to beat the game. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's just it, a weird kind of it, it, it transition. Was a, yeah, it was a, it was a weird phase last year where there you, you saw it poison the well, and you saw more and more people doing it. And it was yep. Battlefront Two that that not only broke the camel's back, it got the the world on fire with that. <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh fuck!" Well, it, it's even yeah. it, it's even uh, it's funny seeing it like. When Game Informer uh, did their Spider-Man, quit, uh, you know, look on that, and they asked about microtransactions, the I was like, "Oh no, 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 <laughs> no microtransactions yeah. here," you know, uh, or I think or loot boxes or whatnot. I believe, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's we'll see. I, I there are other developers that are trying to find like more kind of user-friendly ways to go about it, like say Capcom Monster Hunter World. You know, you're not really necessarily paying for like new monsters or new areas to like navigate in but they're selling you know like gestures and stickers and whatnot so kind of yeah. like like kind of like more the cosmetic the, the, type the, stuff. the little cherry on the top yeah yeah rather than the like and the those substantial loot boxes so you you know what you're paying for exactly mm-hmm. so i don't know well we'll see how how things go on from here uh on to the next piece of news we have this guy <laughs> five complete coming to steam on may 7th you're gonna say something adam I was going to say, I think the rest of the news that we have to go, that we're going to run down is kind of just small little updates here and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Disgaea, uh, Nice America has been putting out the games on Steam. Uh, this I actually hadn't played the games before the PC release, and I ended up playing Disgaea 1 and 2 when they released on Steam. Um, I liked them. I mean, I didn't like, I don't like love them, but you know, they're, they do some really neat, like wacky, crazy SRPG things. And also, of course, have wacky, crazy, you know, story and character stuff um so yeah disgaea 5 complete is the so disgaea 5 released on playstation 4 in 2015 and then had you know a bunch of dlc basically for the same reason we were just talking about um and then disgaea 5 complete basically bundled that all together for switch last year and now it's that version is heading to steam um i'm i'm just curious what's going to happen with disgaea 3 and 4 you know yeah Uh, i i it, it was I guess it's not. It's, it makes sense why they would jump to five because you yeah, know it's still it's... hot in everyone's mind. It's the most recent Disgaea, mainline Disgaea out there. So I, I do, I do hope they go back and like revisit Disgaea three and four. But it was that. That's what even behind the scenes. That's what we're all talking about. Oh, this is gonna be like the Nisa press event where they're gonna show off Disgaea three PC, right? You know, mm-hmm. like I know the Disgaea games aren't really connected except for. Uh... Whatever that sequel is to the original game, oh, it's like, not the, like Disgaea, Disgaea Two, D Two, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, still, I don't I, like. I eventually want to play through the series. I don't want to like play through Disgaea Five now, and then like go back to Disgaea Three and like, oh, they got you know, it's it's not as polished or it doesn't have these all the different you know amenities or whatever uh, in terms of like quality of life. Like, I kind of want to play them in order just to kind of see the progression. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think the D two is gonna be a weird one because that was like split up. Like it was like Disgaea two, then there was like three and four, and then D two, or was it three and D two? Uh, I'm not the expert on this series. As far as I know, the PS three collection was three, four, and D two. Oh, the the collection. I forgot that there was a collection. Oh yeah, me too. So yeah, (laughs) I Um, I just as far as I'm aware, there's Disgaea one, two, three, four, and five, and D two, and then there's like (laughs) nice, and then there's like the. There's like some PSP games with the printy things. Oh yeah. Oh man, I kind of want like 
I don't know. I, I want those to be released on Steam now. The little uh, uh, what were they called? Like Prinny, I want to be the hero or something. I, I, isn't there one like Operation Steel Panties? No, it's <laughs> Operation Panties, dude. Oh, ah, close enough. Yeah, you're surprisingly close. I would have never thought that. <laughs> nice. I mean, it's just one of those things you see the title, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I I, I, but from what Zach said about this guy of five, this seems to be like the the best this guy out there. Uh, so yeah. if you if you want a really strong uh, introduction to this guy, this isn't like depend. You don't need to like play yeah. the prior ones. Yeah, you don't like, have to be me. Yeah. but they're all standalone. But so. it, this one will have uh, this guy of five being a PlayStation Four game rather than you know PS Two or PS Three. Um, Zach Zach said in his review back in the day. Um, you know, has by far the biggest maps, by far the most, you know, characters you can have on any map, you know, the most customization, you know, basically. The, the Sky games are very, very loose. They're, they're the type of games where you can break them wide open if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of nuts. I'm kind of interested to see if they do a new mainline Disgaea, what the hell that looks like, because I feel like Disgaea 5 already, like, ups the ante so much that, like... no. Remember when Nice, not Nisa, but Nipa and Ichi announced that a Disgaea remake was coming out this summer? Oh, like and then the they first like, Disgaea? Yeah, they, they it was like, they had like some sort of stream. Oh yeah, they, like, they, the announced, they announced a couple of like their smaller games, like like the Blind Prince and the Liar Princess, or I might have got that backwards, but you know, just a couple of their you know Nipa and Ichi does some of these you know smaller, almost indie type titles. But then they kind of just mentioned almost in passing, we are going to be releasing a remake for Disgaea. Yeah, that's and they didn't right. like show anything except like the normal just artwork of the characters, and like we don't know exactly what it is, or if it's like an act- if it's a remake or a remaster, or oh, is it just man. who knows? And like I guess we should if that's releasing this summer, you think we would see it by now? Yeah, I think uh, this discussion like I had forgotten about it until we were talking about it now. Like, oh, I guess is that happening? Maybe. <laughs> We'll see. We still, have, we still have a few months till summer, so we'll see what yeah. happens there. Um, let's see. Next up is Screenix has released a statement saying that we have heard your voices about the chrono triggers on the PC, and we know that you do not like it. We will be <laughs> releasing an update to bring back the original graphics to toggle it back to it because we have heard your voices. Please stop telling us that you dislike it. Well, they didn't, was, they didn't say the last part, but it's implied. Yeah. It was that was that was like I didn't experience that announcement in real time, but like I kind of woke up like shortly after that announcement was made. It was like an hour because it was announced early morning, mm-hmm. um, and like I'm flipping through my Twitter feed, people are like freaking out, like Chrono Trigger on Steve, and like just scrolling through like my Twitter history, and like very Five very minutes. quickly, yeah, people scouring <laughs> yeah. like. Oh, yeah. yeah, when it was initially released. Oh, yeah, that was that was a great like honeymoon period that lasted like, maybe 15 minutes max. And then it was like, oh. Yeah, probably oh. five minutes max because <laughs> how quickly it took the download and started. And immediately once you start, it's like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> the nightmare begins. Um, so as, because of this, they are going to um, extend the availability of the limited edition up until April 30th. Uh, so if you want some of those bonuses, limited like edition comes with like it comes with like five. Or I thought it was five tracks, but it's like a medley of five tracks and then like some wallpapers and yeah, loose. So just in case you don't want to miss out on those bonuses, now that you have the reassurance from Square Enix, says, <laughs> we will update this. We swear. Um, and yeah, hopefully they 
not only <laughs> do this right, but kind of like just a... get the DS version. <laughs> the DS version is actually the first version I played. I didn't have an SNES, you know, and it's it's a really good game. Uh, I played. Obviously, the... you can play the DS version on an emulator or on the DS or 3DS, and it's. I think the first version I played was a PlayStation One version. It was a very I was a very patient boy back in the day. I was like, loading times are <laughs> loading times are like yeah. a natural thing in games. Like, of course, the distance. Yeah. So I mean, like, uh, I totally understand. Like, why do you have to do this? Then I I, I switch on over and I play the SNES version. Like, what the fuck went wrong with this? <laughs> <laughs> so i mean um, yeah i mean i i i'm totally up for a replay on it but it's you know just right now it's like no reason to play it now <laughs> so it yeah. looks really like i don't know it's, i remember some people actually gave the it was this this announcement wasn't even like a, a press release it was just you know one of the community managers on the steam forums um and i remember it was kind of funny the way they worded it like we will make so the first they, they say they're going to address it in, like, multiple updates, I guess, like, going forward, kind of vague. Oh, right. mm-hmm. but, but they said the first one should be out first half of April, so that's, like, now. Well, uh, okay, so we stopped that. Look, yeah, next weekend it marks the, the end of the first half of April. So if there's no word by the, by, by the next podcast on this, we have known know that probably something went well, wrong. <laughs> they also, I mean, aside, they also said we we're going to get Dragon Quest Eleven news last fall, and then that came, you know... Last it's still last ago. fall what are you talking about <laughs> yeah. but anyways the first thing they're obviously we talked about is going to be the toggle and they mentioned they, the way they worded it was like you can either switch between the original graphics or the high resolution graphics like <laughs> yeah you're like this high resolution i don't even know how to describe it they're this the new sprites they're not they're, they're not Vaseline. like they're not quite as bad as like the final fantasy 5 and 6 pc things whatever you want to However you want to describe some those. Some sort of contrast or sharpening filter yeah, on them, it, and then they yeah. remade some of them, and because only some of the sprites are remade, just looks Speaking out of, of place, uh, Frankenstein earlier. <laughs> the, the, the first thing I noticed when I looked at screenshots is actually Marl's hair color. Like, it's not as blonde now. It's more like an reddish That's orange. That's a good point, like, yeah. Like, that was the first thing I noticed. Like, mm-hmm. the, the color appears a little different. I mean, to be uh, fair, that kind of matches the artwork a bit better. That is that true. <laughs> but... Anyway, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Hopefully, the, the the ideal version of Chrono Trigger will soon be realized in our heads, like on 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 Steam. Hopefully, I still want them to put Valkyrie profile on Steam, and just oh. don't fuck it up. <laughs> no, you you know what's gonna happen, right? They're gonna have the on fucking screen UI. Yeah. Uh, for that and shit, and then, and then the release stays. Oh, okay. We heard that you guys don't like this. <laughs> we will release updates to take it out. It's like, oh, weird. God, I don't want your high resolution graphics. <laughs> you don't want the high resolution mobile UI joystick. You're crazy. And like the text boxes that appear to enter your character name are like the most basic of Windows GUIs. <laughs> my 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 soul just slowly go, goes into my body every time I see uh, the Square Enix YouTube account, the Japanese YouTube account, show off clips of the smartphone version of that Valkyrie profile. Like how that that UI continues to like. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. like the, just, I know it makes sense over there, but uh, feels bad. Well, well hopefully, we I, still, I still don't really know. I still don't really. I can't. I can't really grasp 
how Valkyrie profile works with a touchscreen. Cause like when you're in battle and you have to press, you know, normally one of four face buttons. So what they have is like a, a little transparent like, circle over them that you can't really see all that. Like it, it, like, it, it, click the characters. It took, yeah. It took, it took my friend, uh, like my friend's like, how the fuck do you do this? Is, is it like uh, Valkyrie Anatomia, their smartphone mobile gay game where like you click on their like um, portraits or whatever. And then like, it's their turn. It's like, Oh no, you like, you see the little transparent circles over them. They're not really aligned one-to-one with the character, but it's still like the same diamond formation. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I didn't even see that. It's like, yeah, that's, that, that's how you do it. That seems really awkward to me. Anyway. A lot of things are awkward about that. Um, <laughs> Oh, this is a neat one. Uh, at Nice America announced that they're going to release the SNK 40th anniversary collection on switch um, they're publishing, obviously, and it is focusing on like uh, '80s arcade games uh, brought out by SNK. So you have like you know Ikari Warriors, you have like Chrysalis, which is not an arcade game. Um, you had fuck, what else was there? You had Athena um, on there. So uh, like uh, Chrysalis, Chrysalis was like an action RPG way back when that uh, was kind of like the early conceptual models of what an action rpg is these days um it's kind of like the zelda before zelda in a sense um Mm -hmm. so it's a really cool it doesn't really get like a a lot of official releases uh these days so it's kind of neat to see i don't know what the actual uh prices on the retail collection i know they have the the physical edition up on the Nice America store for like seventy bucks, I believe, with like a like a whole bunch of. But extras. that's the limited edition, so yeah, that's a limited edition. I'm guessing know. it's gonna be like forty or fifty bucks because usually NAS America has like a twenty to thirty dollar, uh, like usually something like that much extra for the limited edition. So yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, they ha- they haven't announced uh, all the the games for it yet. I- all I know is the three Ikari Warriors game are the Ikari Warriors Victory Road was the sequel, and then Ikari Three. Uh, Athena, along with Cycle Soldier, which is the sequel to Athena, Prehistoric Isle, Vanguard, all, all, all that good stuff. They they haven't announced the full roster. I'm definitely gonna buy this in a heartbeat because I love, 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 love playing Akari Warriors anywhere I can. Um, oh, actually, it's uh, sixty five bucks on the online store. Okay, and then that's that's not uh, taking into account shipping and tax and whatnot. So, yeah. but I, I don't know if that's is, is that sold out right now as of this recording or. I know they were flying off like at twenty five percent, but I don't know if it's still. I don't know, but if you're interested in check. that, uh, yeah, definitely check it, it out. It still has uh, twenty six to fifty percent left. Cool, cool, and th- th- this is because twenty eighteen is the fortieth anniversary of SNK. Goddamn! Mm-hmm. So fuck, that's a lot. Um, there's also going to be <laughs> a uh, lot. That's, that's a lot of years. There's also going to be like a museum mode that has, um, you know. Shows off uh, promotional assets and all of these like in high definition. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of these kind of arcade collections. Just like I, I want to get like that Street Fighter collection, for example. Uh, not only for the high resolution assets of the, that artwork, but they also have like a uh, in-game like sprite viewer for each of those games. Like uh, like the original Street Fighter Two, Third Strike, Alpha. Just you can just see like their sprites like individually. That's really exciting to me. Um, so yeah, I kind of, and they also have like a rewind and save anywhere feature in this, uh, SNK 40th anniversary type of deal. So that's cool. So you, so you know, you know what I gather from all this? What's up? There is not going to be a Nintendo switch virtual console. (laughs) There's just going to be every single publisher, Sega, you know, SNK, Capcom. They're just going to release all their games, their old games and bundles and retail 
Fantastic. You buy them. I, I, yep. actually, I, I actually, I actually, I'm thinking of like turning my Switch into some like weird retro console. It just the main like, I'll be honest with you. The whenever I like on the off chance I boot up my Switch these days, uh, there is a guaranteed uh, time slot for me playing Garo Mark of the Wolves for like 15 to 30 minutes, maybe even an hour, because it's just one of the, like the icons that just stare at me when it boots up. And I'm like, you know what? It's time for some Mark of the Wolves. <laughs> it's just like, and time is gone. I remember like a month ago, I played through Metal uh, Slug 3 in one sitting with a friend. And it's like, yeah, thank God for Hamster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Those, Hamster are doing God's work on those. Really great. Um, and the last, no, no, not the last piece of news. Uh, we have Divinity Original Sin 2 coming to PS4 and Xbox One this August, uh, published by Bandai Namco. If you don't have a PC, get this player. Yeah, it's excellent game. Uh, especially, I this should have couch co-op, right? Yeah. Uh, I just kind of assumed that it yes, would because yes, the it, Enhanced it, Edition did. It has two-player split-screen co-op uh, on the press release and, for, of course, four-player online co-op. Uh, that's what they tout. So I imagine this is like a fucking awesome game to do couch co-op on. Again, like I said, I did... Uh land party with this game amazing like uh, one of my friends isn't really into rpgs and uh this was his like first real rpg in like a decade and wow <laughs> uh let me put it this way he's gotten so hooked he's played it more than any of us now so <laughs> and like these computer rpgs are like the real deal rpgs like you can get really sucked into them <laughs> oh yeah well western rpgs is like really really thick i, I like that 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 whole lore uh, kind if of. You haven't played the I still need. I still need to play the original. Yet. If you haven't played Divinity Original Sin two yet, play it seriously. Yeah, we've really talked a whole bunch about is, it. The game of the year. This is just a small awesome. curiosity thing that mm-hmm. maybe I, I find interesting, and maybe no one else does. But like the the enhanced edition of the so Divinity Original Sin is uh, developed by Larian, uh, who is uh, what nationality are they? They're European. I don't. Belgium, I think. Yeah, and their PC version is basically self-published. Um, but the the uh, yeah Belgian, but the uh, the original games Enhanced Edition was published by Focus Home Interactive, which is you know they're a published they 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 develop they publish a lot of like of those European games. Didn't they publish uh, uh, the Surge? Yeah, they they published oh, yeah, the Surge yeah. and games like that. Uh, they're based in France, but like now it's like Bandai Namco, um, and so it's just kind of you know. It just it's just somewhat interesting to me, like a bigger publisher kind of swooped in, like, no, nah, we want to we want to put our name on this and publish it, like, it just kind of that that's just a small curious interesting that, that, thing. That's that's yeah, smart. I mean, that's smart of uh, Bandai Namco because like even though they have like yeah. uh like uh, they have a wide array of like anime focused games, it's still it's still to niche audiences, and you know they they publish like you know indies here and there, like you know the Impact and, Winter and whatnot. The Witcher. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I I really like them getting to this initiative of uh, just publishing mm-hmm. like, some of the biggest Western RPGs uh, on their console mm-hmm. versions. It's it's a yeah. it's a smart move from them. It's still surprising just how well the Bendy Original Sin Two is done. Like looking at Steam Spire, seeing like one point three million copies sold, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of people that bought it on GOG because it was DRM free. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I I really need to play these games. Me too. Like, well, my friends are like I get hooked on them. I'm like, I wish I could. I, mm. I yeah, it's like 
I don't know if I like I I I it's the, it's a type of game like I I pretty much know that I will love it like okay. I am confident. Yeah. Uh, this is like, bubbling. Do I have a hundred hours to spare? I, I don't know. You know what's bubbling up here? We're, 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 we need to get the PC version. We need to fucking co-op it and stream it. <laughs> That's what we oh, need yeah. to do. Uh man, yeah, we definitely need to talk about that kind of version. That could be something really fun for us. If we want to stream it, I'm down. <laughs> Ooh yeah. Now we're now we're talking. <laughs> Um, so uh, they're going to add more additional content updates and extra features to this uh, console version of Divinity Original Sin 2 they're going to announce that at a later time um, so if, if you've been holding off you're in luck uh, and you'll have a lot of fun and then onto the last piece of news we have at long last the final Etrian Odyssey coming to the Nintendo 3DS um, there's going to be a live stream on April 10 announcing this game what does this game look like, Adam? What do you think? It's going to be like Seventh Dragon 2020, only it's at Train Odyssey 2020. Ooh. That's my guess. I'm just, I, I don't know if it's a small nitpick. I'm not sure if I should be happy or angry that this isn't going to be a Train Odyssey Untold 3. Because on one hand, we're getting a final, truly new Train Odyssey game on the 3DS, and yet you're not going to have the entire series on 3DS. Is this, did they yeah. say it's going to be a mainline title? Is this going to be like Etrian Odyssey 6 I th- now, I think? Well, here's the thing. Um, I'm pretty sure all they said is it's not going to be Untold 3. Well, they, they've said it's not going to be Untold 3. and they. So first of all, this game hasn't been like announced. But they kind of they kind of soft announced it. Like, yeah, we're making it, and here are some thoughts that we have about it. And they, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but they basically said it's not Untold 3, that it's, it's going to be like a culmination of the series or a festival of the series up to this point. And they've heavily implied that it's not Etrian Odyssey 6. It's like some Etrian Odyssey something okay, different. Okay, so here's what's it's uh, Project Cross Zone, but with Etrian Odyssey characters. Um, so yeah, they're going to announce that next week, uh, Monday night for thus, those in the United States. And this game's like this, like you, when you're talking about 3DS still, uh, will it get localized? I mean, we already saw that Dragon Quest Eight or eleven, not eight. Eleven on three DS isn't getting localized. Um, I wouldn't be so sure about that. I mean, like, it yeah, is an Atlas, you know, n- you know, namesake. So, like, I don't know if Atlas USA is. I don't know if they're almost like required to localize Atlas games. You know, no matter what also, or what, what, what sort of might be a chance that because Nintendo themselves have a three DS games announced for twenty nine. That is true. And they have self-published the last couple of Dragon Quest games on 3DS, so maybe it's something they'll say, oh yeah, the 3DS version of Dragon Quest XI coming to 3DS, published by Nintendo. So there's also, um, there's also, uh, this actually relates here in Japan, uh, Etrian Odyssey Mystery Dungeon 2. I I guess it's just called Etrian Mystery Dungeon 2. Uh, now that game, I could see Atlas maybe deciding to pass over because it's, you know, it's it's a spinoff of a already relatively niche series uh roguelike late in the 3ds lifespan maybe just not worth putting the investment into but if this is supposed to be kind of like mainline even if it's not a Queen odyssey 6 we don't really know what it is yet uh maybe they'll they'll decide to localize this and not mystery dungeon i mean now there's also a persona q2 which that one will probably get localized just because of the persona name we I feel, still haven't I feel, seen like, I feel like we're, uh, we're uh, with how late it's been uh, or how long it's been since Persona Q2 is announced. I, I feel like there's a good chance that they're gonna like reintroduce that a lot uh, with the 3DS and a Switch version. 
That's what I feel like. It's been so long since we heard from that at all. Does it make sense? I feel like it's Mm -hmm. worth mentioning that uh, after May, when Dragon's Dragon's Crown Pro comes out in May, right? Yes. Um, After May, the only game that Atlas has on their plate is uh, 13 Sentinels. Uh, I I think uh, this makes sense. On their website, they only have uh, the upcoming releases. They have The Lions Alive, which I think is out now. Yeah. And they have Dragon's Crown Pro, Shimigami Tensei, um, Strange Journey Redux, and 13 Sentinels. Mm-hmm. So they... They're probably doing I the Persona it. 3 and 5 dancing games at their E3 announcements. That's what I think. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that they will do Etrian Mystery Dungeon too. Maybe, yeah. Pretty yeah, sure. I mean, I was just saying, if there was going to be a game where they decided to pass one over, I think... <laughs> now I'm just thinking, like, what if they, like... Show like thirteen sentinels off at E three again, and it's just like, uh, I just like the extended trailer of like the most recent trailer. <laughs> Fuck. God, we, when uh, is that even coming out? I don't know, man. Vanilla Bear. That's announced for the Vita, and that might be in twenty nineteen. Don't know. Well, I mean, I don't think they wouldn't localize the Vita version of that to overseas market. Well, yeah, they have the platform to be announced. But I do remember, like, around E3 last time, there was, like, code in the website that said Vita, so... Oh, yeah, the, I, for, I forgot. Did they own, when they finally showed it off here last year, did it say Vita, or was it only PS4? They point? haven't announced the... Oh, uh, the, lo- the old, for localized. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, who knows? So, yeah. All right. I We're think... at least a TBA platform, TBA. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think that wraps up the news. Uh, is there anything else uh, that I'm missing? Uh, did we mention the Monster Hunter World Spring Blossom? Oh, Festival? that's right. That is that going on right now? Yes, it's going on right now. All, pretty much every event quest is back in rotation for the duration of it. Don't quite know when it finishes. I want to say the 16th. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and the guild, well, the guild hall is, uh, all special looking flowers everywhere. The oh yeah. And, and, and you can, you now have the option to like, uh, teleport back to the gathering hub. If you, uh, after a quest, right. They released that update for the devil, Joe. Yep. Thanks. So, okay. So yeah. So are you, are you, uh, do you find yourself using that feature a lot now with your friends? Um, actually my friends have kind of moved on from Monster Hunter for, mm-hmm. Well, recently, because the same group of friends I was playing Monster Hunter with uh, were the ones that moved over to PC gaming. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So yeah, it was that same group that I played Divinity with. I, so I wonder, do they have any plans of like giving the PC version of Monster Hunter a shot? No, because they've all exhausted themselves. Hours and <laughs> the PS4 version, so it's like they're not starting over. <laughs> I, I wonder. I feel like at a crossroads now where I can like pour in more time to Monster Hunter World for sure, or should I wait for the PC version? I don't know. Um, uh, no. I mean, I realistically, I know I'm going to try the PC version because I'm, I'm probably going to want to like write about it a bit, and also I, I do want to play it in 60 FPS, but also part of me is like, I really don't want to have to put another 300 hours into this. <laughs> they, need to, they need to somehow uh, find that weird technology that Street Fighter Five is using to make... <laughs> To not do the crossplay, but like somehow get your like monster hunter data 
uh, living inside your PS4 and PS- PC, so they're like they they're compatible with each other. Somehow. I don't think it's gonna happen. There's no way. If anything, I feel like they might do it with the Xbox One version because uh, actually, not sure if you knew about this, but uh, Resident Evil Seven. If you buy the Xbox One version, you also get access to the Windows 10 PC version. Oh, like the Play Anywhere title type deal? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So that's why I was saying that if anything, it might be for the PC version because that's an interesting proposition. Windows version Play Anywhere on Windows. We fucked up. Why didn't we get the Xbox One version? I didn't think about that. That's it. Time to start over Xbox One. Uh, uh, okay, and that's. Uh, oh yeah. Also, we were talking about this. Uh, there's new uh, cosmetics as well, like a Chun Li outfit for both your character and your handler. Uh, yeah, the handler. Uh, yeah, I believe there. so. And then there's like uh, the Devil May Cry uh, collaboration that should be starting up soon. And yeah, Devil May Cry collaboration, there is uh, a bunch like, of new gestures. Like yeah. it's kind of crazy. Are those all paid for though? You have to pay. Yeah, for them? all the gestures are added to the game. You have to pay for. Okay, and there's stickers as well that you can like pop up in like the. Yeah. Multiplayer side so that's paid for as well. Yeah, to make it a bit clearer, any outfits for your character themselves aren't going to be paid for. They're going to be you can unlock them by doing event quests. Stuff like the handler's outfit or gestures, you do have to pay for those are microtransactions. Okay, cool. So it does kind of uh, get a little bit weird because you have the Ryu outfit and you can't do the um, Shoryuken or the uh, Adoken unless you buy the gestures and you can't twirl Dante's guns unless you buy that gesture. It's okay. The, the Ryu outfit would be a perfect fit for me because that's how I played Street Fighter 2. I, I couldn't do fucking Adoken. So I couldn't <laughs> so. Great. Um, that'll wrap up the news. That'll wrap up, wrap up the podcast. Um, any final words from you folks? I mean, I for, so. on, 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 on the news end, uh, obviously. No, I think no. we covered the main things. Like like you said, this is the... Well, I guess... The year is 20XX. Final Fantasy XV is finally complete. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. So you can find us over at RPGSite.net. You can find us over on Twitter at RPGSite. You can find us over on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RPGSiteNet. Our YouTube is YouTube.com slash RPGSiteNet. Find us on iTunes, search up TetraCast on your favorite Google app, type in either TetraCast and or RPG site. Uh, I know the search engines are kind of finicky with that on the search terms for that. Our official Discord link is discord.me slash RPG site. And our Twitter handles, James, where where are you on the the social media these days? You can find me at the sweets at T-H-E-S-W-W-E-E-T. Adam. I've been meaning to change my handle for a while because it doesn't make any sense. But I won't. Look, that, that's K-I-N-G... The... What? Mm-hmm. Go. Finish. K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. I don't 90... know why I'm a king. 90% because... of online handles don't make any fucking sense. So <laughs> you're welcome to the, welcome to the party. What does the HD Kieran stand for? It's like, okay, like... you know, High, def- high definition Kieran. Remember when uh, GOG used to stand for something? It used to be good old yeah. games. Now it's just GOG and like they never mentioned it again. It's kind of like this here. The, my, my HD used to be something. Now it's just HD. And then something. HD is whatever you we'll want. Leave it up to you know. our imagination. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> you can find me over at HD Kirin, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. 
Thank you, Adam. Thank you, James, for uh, joining me on this episode of the TetraCast. Until next time, I don't know what other, besides the Etrian stream this week, I don't know what else there is, but... Whether or not uh, Square Enix actually got that Chrono Trigger patch out. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> and that too. So, by this time next week, maybe you'll not want to, like, like cover your eyes when you when you yeah when you, when you play Chrono Trigger on on Steam. Till then, see ya. Good thing you don't need eyes. To listen to podcasts.